Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. And you are listening to the best podcast on iTunes. Yeah. Pretty That's much. True. Pretty much. Hey, uh, before we actually get into today's topic, I just kind of want to tell everyone uh, that this particular podcast is brought to you by, mm, by the Winner Circle. <laughs> B-I-B-O. <laughs> You know, everyone's sitting there going, you know, everyone's sitting there going, oh, MoGiv is back. MoGiv is back. No, they're not back. (laughs) What if we had a theme song for that? It was like, dudes, I got to tell you, the uh, the Bible Winter Circle, for for those of you who don't know what the Bible Winter Circle is, it is a uh, special group specifically for bivocational pastors and church planners. And you want to check it out, go to BivoInnerCircle.com. It's actually in the show notes. So if you're looking on iTunes or Android, just tap it open and hopefully you'll see a link and just click on it and head on over there. But uh, but basically, you and I put together the Bible Inner Circle so we could help uh, bivocational pastors do two things. We could help them with their ministry and we could help them on the uh, being Bivo side, making money. And that thing is just exploding it's going like crazy we've got some of the coolest people in the world in that thing Mm. and it's just uh it's fun man it's fun yeah i'm amazed so what i've been watching with that which is pretty cool is the um you know particularly in the consulting side because you know guys can can tag me for for church planning and they they get pretty much 24 7 access i mean it's you know i don't I don't work on the weekends or anything, but I mean, they, they, they can, they can tap me anytime and ask any question, you know, um, I guess we're calling that like office hours now. 
Um, right? That's kind of the deal, like where you can access. Is that right? Did I get that right? I'm hearing that phrase. I don't know what it means. I don't. I have no idea what you're talking about with office hours. <laughs> yeah, I keep seeing it, and I go, oh, maybe that's what they're talking about. But anyways, it's 24 seven access to Pete and I to get our ear and ask us in real time. Hey, boom, boom, boom. We we'll use a special way to do that. But the reality is I'm watching these other guys in the consulting side and they're just going nuts helping each other out. And I'm loving that as you're training these guys in proficiency, they're actually also coaching one another and helping each other. And that's what whenever I've joined like the groups like Michael Hyatt's group or some of those other get published, you know, things like that. Um, it's always, you know, I always kind of wished it would be that rich and it never is. And so that was kind of cool. I think the biggest, uh, reason for that, it, it is, and you're right. It's the, the community that the Bivo guys have is totally unique to the Bivo guys because I've got these groups for other groups that I work with. Like I work with other consultants who are not, uh, pastors and they're in their own group, right? So everyone in there is in ministry. Uh, they're not necessarily all pastors. Some are pre-church planning. Some are what I would call licking their wounds after a church plant. Um, some people are elders. Some people are in ministry, but everyone's ministry minded. And, and I'd say 90% of them are pastors. And, um, <laughs> and you can tell some of them, man, they've heard me say the same thing over and over again because now they just pipe in and they go, well, Pete would say... <laughs> And then, like they they spit out, regurgitate my answer. It's pretty cool, actually. Yeah, yeah. Like, so, like, I don't have to be quoting you now. So, you'll probably get invited to speak places now. Well, dude, that reminds me. I got invited. Uh, Noah um, uh, texts me, and he goes, "Hey, are you available to speak on this date at at this church or something like that?" And I'm like, I see this text come in, and I, my first thought is. That's a Sunday. You have clearly asked the wrong person <laughs> to come speak at your event because I am not who you think I am. So all I text back is I go, I'm pretty sure you text the wrong person. And he goes, Peyton Jones. And I go, <laughs> and I go, nope. And then like a day later, he comes back and he goes, is this Pete Mitchell? And I go, yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm not the guy you want speaking at your church. I guarantee you, I'll be, I'll be turning everyone in there into a, a, a full blown business growth consultant. <laughs> yeah, totally, man. Well, Hey, how do guys get in touch with the Bivo inner circle? Like Dude, if someone's interested, how they get in that loop, head on over to Bivo and uh, just check it out. Start right there and tell them Pete and Peyton sent you <laughs> because you know, it's our thing and we sent you and that'd be weird, but we'll know. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really cool. It's, I, it is, it's the coolest thing that I got going on right now. Yeah. It's cause I'm in it. It's like all your stuff. Well, part of it is cause you're in it. <laughs> Certainly. It was so funny cause I was describing it to someone. I go, we help you out with the two biggest things in your life, ministry and making money. And I was like, well, and I guess your family should be one of those big things too, but we don't have <laughs> we'll anyone that can that help you. We, we got more Peyton. Yeah. I go, we got no one that can help you with family. I mean, that's you forget it. I, I don't know. No, what, you know, it's funny though, man. Cause that, that's probably one of the biggest things that guys end up talking. How do I get this work life balance? But again, if you ever wanted to uh, be coached, 
and you've got uh, it's kind of like the A team. If you've got the money and you know where to find them, you can hire the A team. I wish. Where's our soundboard, dude? We so need it right there. Do, 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 do. Dun, 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 dun. We need our theme music, man. I'm just gonna copy that and I'm gonna add that to the soundboard. <laughs> Peyton's uh, Peyton's po- post cold, post nasal drip uh, rendition of the A team. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. That's it. So. Man, I've missed doing this podcast. I've, I haven't. So I added up my days. I haven't been in the office. It's been since May 15th. Wow. I thought it was like 12 days, man. I haven't been in my office. This I'm sitting in my office now. I've literally come to my office to do this right now. And then I shoot back out again. So mm. um, and it won't I won't be back in my office till like the 6th of June. That's nuts. Oh, really? So, Where are you going? I'm speaking all over the place. So like tomorrow I'm speaking at a, in an A29 group and uh, I am preaching Sunday. I decided to tell Noah no. But uh, <laughs> if if you do want. Uh, <laughs> if you do want Pete to come speak at your church. <laughs> if you do want me to come speak to your church. Um, if you, you want. not know this because I've been quiet about it, but I have a book coming out. If you want. Actually- uh, if you want, you know, to see some lightning strike the pulpit, we can have Pete come speak <laughs> at your church. You want some That's heresy? Right. Heresy uh, distilled. Pete's the guy. No man, but seriously, I've been I've been making the rounds speaking. So I was with Josh Best out in uh, Hosanna uh, Church in um, Cathedral City last weekend. I'll be in Carlsbad preaching at my church this Sunday, and then uh, yeah, man, I'll I'll be making that. I'll be at Refuge Huntington the end of June. Um, so I'm just speaking to get the word out about this book and, uh, book is reaching the unreached.com. No, that's not right. It's reaching the unreached book.com. And, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that. Cha-ching. Yeah. This whole episode is a giant cha-ching. That's right. That's what I'm talking about. So, uh, for everyone who doesn't know, this is what we call smack talk. It's the best part of our podcast. Cause we just pretty much catch up on our lives and you get to listen in on that. Think of it as like a sanctified diarrhea of the mouth. Wow. Wow. Okay. That was wow. Anyway, um, <laughs> I have a way with words. So I post on Facebook, um, something that I got last year. It was a fortune cookie. It says, you have a very charming way with words. You should write a book. And I posted and went, hey, where were you, fortune cookie, like five years ago when I could have used this encouragement, man? No one took me serious. Nice. Five years too late, man. Yeah. So, hey, um, before we actually get into the meat and potatoes part of the the podcast, what's going on with you, man? What's new? Oh, man. Well, I don't want to bore everybody, but uh, my mom almost died again. And uh, her new nickname is Steven Seagal. She's hard to kill. Nice. And uh, she had the thing. I know I mentioned about Bill Paxson, but sent out an email newsletter uh, via PeytonJones.Ninja. If you guys haven't signed up to my personal email, PeytonJones.Ninja, you just sign up for that. And um, I just, <clears throat> I said, oh, sorry, man, I'm getting over this cold. You know, I got run down. I was on a plane. I had to make an emergency flight, go see my mom. Saw you too, by the way. That was kind of that was kind of okay, to be honest. I've seen you two better. It was the 30th anniversary. Uh, Josh oh, I thought Tour. I thought you were saying you saw me too. I didn't realize you. Oh, meant I saw you too, like Bono, The Edge. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was know, like, Adam I was, Clayton. I was literally like thinking, when did I see you? What are you talking about? I just make stuff up. I'm like, yeah, me and Pete were hanging, eating ice cream, watching Alien. So we got to talk about a couple Ooh. things, which uh, you know, just to deflect, you know, kind of like, if, have you seen the Batman movie yet? 
Which Batman movie? Batman Lego movie? Yeah. Yeah, that's not. Have you seen where uh, Alfred tries to get deep and personal with his, his issues? And he goes, nope, 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 nope. And he's flip-flopping all, all over the, the floor and up the staircase. <laughs> I don't remember it, man. That was a horrible movie. But... He's like, what? you're afraid of being alone, sir. And he goes, nope, 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 nope. And Alfred puts them all on timeout. And he goes, Alfred, you get me off timeout right now. It's the funniest stinking movie, man. But anyways, that's how I am. I'm deflecting uh, uh, away from my personal issues right now. And I'm going to talk about two things that have been big to me. I was so excited about Alien Covenant. I can't even tell you. I, I could not wait. Like, I saw it on the – you and I saw it on the same night. Yeah. You know it's a big deal for me. Yeah. I only go to, like, first showing of, like, Star Wars or, you know, Alien, you know. So we went there and uh, got to say it was pretty underwhelming oh my gosh i thought it was horrible yeah i was like they could have actually cut out 45 minutes of this movie and it it would have improved it because it was so i don't know just it it didn't capture my attention it wasn't scary i thought the whole thing was kind of ridiculous i i don't know i just i I didn't care for it hey you know what i just realized we probably covered this last time we did the podcast it's been so long now huh because I've been traveling and crap, I don't but know. Do you I think, think we, we talked did? about it. But yeah, I I think either that or we just talked. I don't know. But <laughs> uh, but I remember <laughs> I saw it with Barry and Ruben. So I was holy. I saw it with a couple of church planners. Yeah, no, I saw it with my wife. So I was pretty holy. But the the thing is, is that we had done an alien marathon because she hadn't seen them all. Like running up to it, you know, for about a yeah. week we watched them all, and uh, and then we were in there. It was because to me, Prometheus was a masterpiece. It was kind of artsy. It was kind of mind blowing. I dug it. I liked it. It it didn't answer questions. And the fans, here's the thing: you got to understand, Americans are kind of simple minded. You know, they. I mean, when you look at things like the new Pirates of the Caribbean uh, film, uh, my buddy just saw it. He's like, "Well, it's good if you like, you know, really stupid zinger one-liner." lame comments and shallow character development and a pretty predictable plot line. Well, that's because the American people are pretty dumb. And as a whole, pop culture's, I mean, you know, I won't, I won't go on, (coughs) go on about that, but you know, it's kind of like bread and circuses, man, give people what they want. And that's, that's what happened. The Prometheus was everybody was so mad at him for Ridley Scott for, Hey, you ruined the franchise. You know, this is not an alien film. Well, it's out of his head, man. It's his, it's his creation. You know, let, let him tell the story. And with this one, it was kind of like he recapitulated and turned back and said, Hey guys, um, I apologize for making a really intelligent film. It'll never happen again. And as penance, here's the stupidest (laughs) alien movie ever to make you all happy. And that, that's what I felt like. I think that's really tough to do considering Alien 4. I'm just saying. I, Resurrection? Yeah. So, okay, I, I take your point. There's some really stupid points, but you got to admit, Alien DNA Splice Ripley was amazing. Like, her character on that was the coolest ever. What are you talking about? She had alien DNA. In there was only called. one good scene in that entire movie. It's when the black guy is climbing up the ladder and they've just yeah. been in a battle and he shoots the spider. That is the best scene in the movie. <laughs> the rest of the movie didn't even need to be made. That's all I'm saying. 
And you even liked have to, Alien 3, and I thought that one was stupid, too. Alien 3, you know, I really liked it when it came out. And I was like, oh, you guys are crazy, man. This is a good film. And it doesn't hold up. You know, I went back and watched it. But the problem is I watched the extended version. And it was it had, like, 23 additional moments with the prisoners. And it was it was pretty... Uh, pretty pretty wrecked i'm still telling you you got to see the the predator movie with where they're all on the game preserve planet that's to me that's one of my favorite movies right there so is that predator or is that like a predator sequel i think it's uh it's it's one of the predator sequels i because i at first i thought there were aliens in it but now as i think back i don't think there were any aliens it's just all predators Oh, that's cool. It's Predator versus yeah, I gotta Predator. I got to see all the Predators, man. I got to see First Predator. We should do that on 3D. I've got it in 3D. They remastered it in 3D. Schwarzenegger, I'm telling you, come on up to the house. You'll Dude, like what's it. not to love about that? 3D, 100-inch, I mean, you know, Arnold. And, and we just we, Predators. we bought a new couch in the movie room. So, oh, so you and me could sit next to each other on a love seat. That's cool. <laughs> It's it's big enough to sit the whole family on it, man. So uh and there's there's you a guys nice like the Simpsons now. There's a nice armrest in between me and you. So there's no tender touches. Figures you buy a family sofa and make individual armrests on. No, 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 no. Just one. <laughs> between me and the rest of them. That's my seat. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. When you see it, you'll think it's funny because I'm like, oh no, 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 no. I mm I don't want anyone to touch mm. me. I want to watch my movie in peace. The rest of y'all can go do what you do. Thus, Pete lives up to his code name again, Huggy Bear. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, the other thing is um, Chris Cornell, man. I was I was pretty upset about that. Yeah, um, see, I don't huge... know who he is, man. I, I saw What's it. That? I was like, I don't know who he is. Yeah, you were a little bit younger. Um, so the grunge scene, were you ever into that? You weren't. You were into the hip hop. Dude, I, look at the family I grew up in, man. It's it's amazing that I ever even knew what grunge meant. It's amazing that you're not walking around singing hymns all the time. I mean, you uh, know. It's praise music for me, and I love the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've just wanted to go smash a guitar or someone sitting there doing praise music. I hate that. Oh, man. So when I was, when I was over at um, Hosanna City in the lobby... In between services, are playing you too, and I was like, "Now this is a church I can get <laughs> really behind. nice." Because, uh, man, I'm telling you, those guys—they worship God when they're on there. In fact, this was kind of cool um, when uh, Bono actually spoke to Chris Cornell's passing, and so Bono's pet peeve is a wasted life and someone who never met their potential. And I read that somewhere. Um, remember, I'm a Bonoist. That's my uh, that's my particular creed. And uh, Bono said, sorry about my voice and my throat today, but Bono said um, during the thing, he goes, and by the way, he, so he's talking about how he committed suicide. And he's like, he was so close, so close to leaving a legacy that would be inspiring and, you know, fighting with addiction. And, and then he goes, but ultimately he, he lost the struggle, which happens. And it was compassion, but you could hear the, the regret, like he wasn't candy coating it. And thus he'll be a bright star and that, you know, you could feel there was still raw pain there for him. <laughs> and of course I'm seeing this in, uh, the Rose bowl in LA and uh, in Hollywood. And he, um, uh, and he just says, Rick Warren, 
thank you for the amazing work that you do to help people like Chris. Mm. And I'm like, okay, A, Rick's out here somewhere. Do you think he was? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's definitely out there. You think Rick uh, Warren was at the U2 concert? Yeah, probably in like, you know, luxury box seat or backstage (laughs) or something. He's like, front row center. (laughs) You know, when Bono rolls into town, he's like, hey, man, because all that one campaign stuff and the peace plan. Oh, you know what? You're uh, right. They probably do know each other because of all that stuff. Well, they did, because when the peace plan hooked up, um, Warren was working with Bush. Hold on. uh, Stupid train. I just wanted you to hear it. Uh, And Um, we appreciate it. Bush was... uh, so at that time, um, Bush and Bono were getting tight because Bono went and laid out all of the stuff about, hey, we got to help Africa and appealed to Bush's Christianity and said, you have a responsibility. And Bush listened to him. And Bono was no fan of us being involved in Iraq. But mm-hmm. in his book, Bono on Bono, um, he turned around and said, I have great respect for George Bush. He said he did more for Africa during his term the, in office than all other presidents combined before him. Really? And, uh, yeah, absolutely. There, we, there was a lot of stuff we never heard about, but we were doing tons of stuff to make uh, trade equal for Africa and help them with different things and giving aid and um, pouring programs in. And so it was pretty cool, you know, but, uh, I don't know why I went off on that tangent, but Chris Cornell, just a little tribute from me. Um, big, big fan of his. And, uh, that was just sad, man. So suicide is a tragic thing. Yep. Yep. You know, and so. that's a, that's a great happy note to, uh, to start off our podcast with. So I appreciate you bringing that story up. You are welcome. Always aim to please. You know, I feel like uh, even though we haven't done the podcast in a while, I got like no good stories to tell. Well, have you been telling stories with other people? Because I'll be a little bit jealous. Normally you save them all for me. I know. That's true. That's true. I will say this. Uh, for those that are interested in the Bible Inner Circle, we are doing a, uh, a two and a half day event. June oh, yeah. 21st, 22nd, half a day on the 23rd where I'm teaching all of our guys in the Bivo Inner Circle, guys and gals, I should say, how to put together an online training program that uh, will benefit pastors and or church community. Uh, because so many of the guys in our program are like, hey, you know what? You know, I wrote this this curriculum on evangelism, and I want to help, uh, you know, people know how to do this stuff. How, how do I put this together in a program? Or I wrote this book on marriage. You know, how do I monetize this? And uh, so we're actually doing that. If you're in the Bible inner circle, you get to come to that for free and uh, here in Southern California. So, yeah, that's part of the the package of Bible inner circle is you, we throw two retreats a year yeah. and um, you get to come hang with Pete and I, and uh, you get FaceTime and, you know, not like we're the popes or anything. Like, and if hey. you can't make the live one, we uh, give you the recordings. Yeah. So you still get the yeah. info. So I, I just figured, it, you know, why not do two commercials? You know, why just one? Why not do two? Well, because we normally have two. Well, we still have we still have the third one that goes at the end. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's right. I forgot. <laughs> so, hey, let's let's actually get on with our topic. Uh, 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 Dr. Jones. Oh, I like it. Yeah. Huh? I should I should get yeah. that soundbite. Dr. Jones. Ooh, Dr. Jones. Yeah. 
<laughs> short round. So when I was doing my book launch, I, I asked people a bunch of, uh, I was throwing books out at people and I was asking them, uh, certain trivia questions like, uh, um, Oh, I don't think I did it that night. No, I didn't do didn't. it on my book launch. No, I did it at, um, one of the events that I spoke at with, uh, church planners. Oh, I can't even remember which event it was. I've spoken a lot in the last couple of weeks, but, um, yeah, one of the questions, oh, it was the, um, Soma, the Soma thing with Jeff Anderstel. Mm. Um, he, uh, uh, so when I, when I went to the mic, I, I was asked some things like, who's Indiana Jones' sidekick in, uh, Temple of Doom? And, uh, someone got it right. It's pretty good. How do you not get that right? Well, some people, like, you'd be amazed. Like, everyone's like, hmm. And then someone went, short round? Oh my gosh, as a question? Right? Oh, jeez, Louise. What what was the goddess that they were worshiping in uh, the that. pagan deity? I don't know that. Kali was one. Oh, I didn't ask. I remember one. that. I remember that. Yeah. Kali. Yeah. yeah. Um. I had a bunch of Indiana Jones trivia tucked away. You know what was the dog's name? I mean, come on, right? Indy. Indiana. Yeah. The dog's name was Indy. <laughs> yeah. So like no no like everyone stalled on that one. I'm like. Uh oh. Yeah. So I didn't ask the Kali one. Yeah. No, I always thought uh, I I liked number three. What, what did they call that one? That was Indiana Jones and Last Crusade. Last Crusade. Yeah. Yeah. That that was my favorite. I think because that was probably the first one I saw because of my age. Yeah. So I had um I had you know a bunch of uh, questions like um like for him. You know, uh, if, depending on how the crowd was going, I had some hard ones like like that guy in the very beginning, the adventure that that Indy, you know, takes the uh, the crucifix from in the very beginning. You know, one of the questions is going to be, mm-hmm. you know, who was the the adventure that Indy modeled himself after? And the answer to that is Fedora. That's his name. You know, so. and uh, why did he not like snakes? Well. He fell into a vat of snakes on, on a train. train, on a tr- circus yeah. train. That's right. Yeah. It's, it was like a Dr. Seuss poem. Yeah. On a train with a snake. I like it. I like it indeed. So uh, let's actually get into our subject material. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, man. Um, today, we are going to have the best book interview ever. Yes, because the last <laughs> interview was the worst book <laughs> interview ever. you see someone's comment on Facebook was, well, that was interesting. <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, I interviewed Peyton on his book, Reaching the Unreached, and it was absolutely the worst podcast episode we've ever done. I wanted to quit halfway through it. I was begging you, can we please put on a different audio and just scrap this? And you're like, no, no, we're going to call this the worst one, and then we'll redo it again and call that one the best one. Yeah. So this is what our- this is say. We'll say it better this time. We promise. Jamie and I, uh, we watched The Ultimate Fighter, uh, the TV series. And uh, this is their redemption season where they're having people who lost in the uh, previous seasons. They brought them back to see if they can win to get a UFC contract. And so this is our redemption interview. Since our last nice. one was so bad, we're, 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 we're going to try and redeem it here. Try and bring it nice. back. So Peyton, why don't you tell everyone what's the title of your book? Reaching the Unreached, Becoming Raiders of the Lost Art. Now, Peyton, why did this book need to be written? No, I'm just kidding. Seriously, do not answer. <laughs> that was like, hey, this is the best interview. Ever. Oh, okay. That's right. So 
actually give me a synopsis of the book so everyone okay. knows what it's primarily about. So this book, interestingly enough, started off with the pr- uh, premise of uh, the more of the uh, it basically explores the power of the Holy Spirit connected with mission. In other words, every time you see Jesus promising power um, in the power of the Holy Spirit in particular, uh, you see it in connection with mission. And so when people are like, hey, why don't I? see cool things it's because you you know the the theory is the more frontline you go um the more like acts it becomes and so that was kind of the premise it takes acts 1 8 and it unpacks that because that's really what that verse is about it's about the power of the holy spirit in connection with mission and acts 1 8 reads uh you will receive my power from on high and you will be my witnesses uh, in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, in the ends of the earth. And really every chapter unpacks a different part of that verse. So, um, so let me ask you, what, what are some of the problems that you see this book addressing? Do you see it as a problem in the church as a whole? Do you see it as a problem with, uh, you know, the people in the pews? What's the problem that the book is really addressing that, that you see it addressing? So, so, so often, um, people, people are looking in church planning for a way to bypass just doing the hard work of seeking God. And Luke won't let you do that. You know, I make this statement there, quoting a friend of mine that before you become an Acts chapter two church, which everyone just thinks magically happens, you have to be an Acts chapter one church. And so in Acts chapter one, they're praying. You know, they're on their faces. They're asking God. Jesus is like, hey, guys, I just trained you for three years, right? Day by day. And you're still not ready for ministry. Um, then I spent 40 days with you, risen in power, sharing with you the secrets of the universe. And you're still not ready. And they were chomping at the bit to go. None of this where the pastor says, oh, you know, they were hiding and scared in the upper room. That's that's bull honky. Because Jesus tells them, hey, you guys need to wait in Jerusalem until you receive power, the promise of the Father. <coughs> Excuse me, I should mute that, but sharing is caring. And uh, But anyways, he tells them, you know, you're going to receive this power. And, and the problem that I see often is that we have substituted um, uh, God's power with programs. And, you know, we, we, we rely on anything except for God himself. Right. We need some new method, some new silver bullet, some new this or that. And then we wonder why ministry doesn't work. We wonder why we don't seem to be making any traction. And Luke bends over backwards to just keep pointing out, hey, these guys, as much as they were prepared, because let's face it, like you're nowhere near as prepared as those 12. Nobody, I don't care what seminary you've gone to or how many doctorates you have in theology or missiology. You're still not as prepared as those 12 men who spent three years being discipled by Jesus directly and then 40 days with him as the risen Lord. And yet still they weren't ready. And somehow today we want to just rush out there like Samson with our hair cut off and do ministry. And we get our butt kicked. You know, we get our eyes gouged out. And so in the very beginning, I kind of talk about the letters to the seven churches because um, when I wrote Church Zero, you know, I, I, there's a sense in which I'm saying something's rotten in Denmark. And this is where my kind of prophetic 
side comes out where I'm, I'm not bashing the church. I love the church, but God gives me this kind of prophetic, like you need to say things that, that maybe aren't heard a lot. And I'm not afraid to say those things. You know, I, I'm not out to win a popularity contest. God and I worked that out years ago where God was like, Hey, with church zero, do you want to be liked or do you want to be used? And so I, I opted to be used and same with this book. You know, I, I expect that the people I need to like it, to promote it probably aren't going to like it, you know, because it, it melts the chunk of ice that, that many ministers are floating on, you know, and it all, it, it it's kind of like handing them a blowtorch and saying, well, come on, you know, learn to swim, you know, learn to swim, learn to do what Paul did, learn how to reach people. And so the main problem is, <clears throat> church is in decline. We're not innovating new ways. We're not resembling the church of the first century. We're not reaching people that no one's reaching. And we're just sitting back and watching it happen. And nobody's alarmed and no one's in any way concerned. I mean, people are talking about it, but our actions aren't changing. And the reason I don't think our actions are, are changing is because our answers haven't changed. Our answers haven't changed because our questions haven't changed. When our questions start changing, we'll start getting different answers. And so I start asking a bunch of questions in the beginning that just basically say, hey, look, um, these are the questions. Jesus asked the seven churches to Asia these questions. Um, and so that that's pretty much it, man. I, I you know, it's funny because, I, like I said, I don't bash a church. I remember in Church Zero, people got mad and said, hey, you can't say that about the body of Christ. You know, it's Jesus's bride. And so in this one, I come in and say, well, you know, let's hear what Jesus says to his church. Just a few years after these churches were planted, you know, I mean, Paul was still alive. John was still alive. And these things were written in Jesus. It hadn't been long since Jesus had given that mandate in Acts 1-8. Um, but listen to what he says to them here. They've gotten off the path. And so my premise is the church is is off course and we need to get back on or we're going to continue getting our butt handed to us. By so the let, let, let's unpack that. The church is off course. How is the church off course and what is on course? Well, <clears throat> like you're a marketer, right? One of the things I point out is evangelism, um, particularly, has been replaced with marketing. Now, you and I both know marketing is rad. We love marketing. Marketing's great. Um, in fact, most churches don't even know how to do it right. So it's not even like they're doing good marketing. But the problem I have isn't that churches do marketing. I think churches should do marketing. But the problem is marketing's replaced evangelism. And you and I both know mm. that that's not a substitute. And so that's one of my major things is we're playing it safe. We're sitting back. We're, we're, we're not going to the dark places. We're so, not engaging with people. So we're, I, I get what you're saying here. So instead of getting off the fence into the big game, so to speak, it's, well, you know what? We got some money right here. Let's do a, a postcard mail drop. Let's do a, a really cool website redesign. Yep. Yeah. And, um, and we're not, so we're basically replacing people with money. At least we're trying Absolutely. to. Absolutely. I see what you're and, saying. And like, for example, like, uh, let's look at a pastor, right? Why did every pastor go into ministry? All right. Mo or, and we can ask this about church planning. Most church planners don't go in it for the money. Um, and, and most pastors, I think when it first started and that desire began in them, they, they couldn't. Yeah, excuse you. Excuse you. <laughs> excuse me. You know, you know, drinking. the guy jogging on the beach with his headphones on, 
Boy, he's thanking you right now. (laughs) That was really special. And, you know, that had your name on it, my friend. Um, The reality is I'm sitting here trying not to to keep coughing in your ears. And uh, sparkling water is my friend right now, but unfortunately it's not your friend. So uh, what what happens, though, is we take these guys – who really, in the beginning, they were kind of radical and, you know, they were sharing their faith. I would say a, a huge portion of people out there got into ministry because they were either bringing people to church or they were good evangelists. And someone said to them, hey, you should be in ministry. And at some point, they went to ministry and pretty much when they when they got in there, got ruined for it. Because what they did is they started babysitting a church or they started running a company or running programs and systems and or they became a human resource manager rather than you know being the guy who should still be out there evangelizing talking to people like you know this with refuge long beach my gifts shown the best not during the service but but before and after you know if we're out in that park and i was just talking to lost people that was it that was my sweet spot. If there were if there were people just, you know, even like walking down the street, sometimes I just walk around the block before a service and just talk to people like tell them, you know, just start up conversation. Tell them, well, you know, I'm over here and it wasn't just to invite them to church, but it's engaging with lost people. And and I at the end of each chapter, I've got discussion questions and action steps. So I've literally got things to help launch and propel people out of um, that that temptation to just do nothing, to sit back, like you said, shell out money, you know, and uh, and think, oh, the job's done, right? Um, Keith Green had a famous song where he says, you just sit back and pretend the job's done. You know, he's talking about evangelism there. And, you know, what I want to do is get guys not to sit back, but to lean forward to like get up out of their chair and start, you know, becoming beat cops again, not, not desk, you know, uh, what do you call it? Um, you know, uh, desk, desk jobs. Right. And then all, all the police movies are always like, they're going to put me on a desk job. You know, well, most ministers nowadays are, they got desk jobs. Uh, would you use the term pew jockey? You know, it's one of the, it's funny you say that cause it's one of the most tweeted quotes out of that book. And of course it's on the back cover and, uh, let me tell you a story about how he came up with that term. Um, <laughs> Pete Mitchell wrote a marketing uh, newsletter. But but let me ask you something. Did you give that guy you just mentioned a, even a, a, a nod in the book? Did, did you did you say, hey, P.M., thanks for all your input? Hey, P. Diddy. Um, no, I did not. And that was an oversight. And... <laughs> It, it will always be the tear that hangs inside my soul. You know, that honestly is what keeps us from being best friends. I mean, we're good friends, but I had to give the best friend title to someone else. Uh, uh, actually, a guy no. I just met last week. His name is no. Jorge. He's, he's now best friend. Is that the, is that the bald head I see edge a shot? <laughs> right yeah. now, right now, he's, he's definitely replaced you. Oh man. So, so this is the redemption episode. So if I dedicated my next book to you, to Pete, my huggy bear. 
Oh my gosh. You just got to be careful what you actually say in your book. As <laughs> we had a conversation before this podcast even began of what you will sometimes say about me on the podcast. And, and we did. And apparently it was one that you weren't on and I was making a joke and, uh, I did not realize, not I did not realize you were actually recording it as I was trying to Skype you from the plane. Oh, like I didn't, cause you're like, Oh, Pete's trying to Skype me. Oh, he says he might. Oh no, he can't do it. Well, I'm just going to keep going on. And so maybe you were distracted and that's why you said, are you serious? Said. Yeah. That's, that's what was going wow. on. Oh, when it, what, like how long ago was this? One? It's episode two fifteen. I had to have it. I had to have certain parts edited out after it was brought to my attention. That is so funny, dude. Yeah. Wow. Is that a while ago or is that recent? Uh, we're on, this will be 226, so 11 episodes ago. So it wasn't that long ago. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, was I, was I in, uh, was I like in, uh, so I was on the road. I I have no idea. I was on the road. I was on a plane, apparently. Oh, okay. All right. But anyway, wow, back thing, man. back to your actual book, because this is the best book interview. Ever. Right, right. So tell me, what are you? Uh, because I haven't read the book, so you need to, you need to talk to me as if I'm okay, someone. Dang it! I've been waiting for you to read it so you could see that you're on page 197. Is my name on it? You're making that I'm up. I'm just saying. You're making it up. I wasn't. I just want you to read it. You just made it up so I would read it. I'd get all the way to 197 and find out my name was still not in the book. You know what? What's funny about this book is Church Zero. I I named you like you were actually. You did a big guns marketing um, dot com. Like even gave you a little like website address. And I did that all that in this book. I didn't. I didn't name a single person except on the acknowledgments page. You went to town on the acknowledgement page, and I didn't even get an acknowledgement. I know, dude. Seriously, it was such an oversight. Like, I (laughs) repent publicly right now. I don't know how I let you. You're going to your grave with me bringing this up. It's going to be 50 years from now. I'm going to be bringing this up. But can I redeem it in my next book? No. Like, what's it going to take? Is it going to take, like... Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell is it going to be like all these I got from Pete you Mitchell? are going to have to go back to Zondervan and tell him that you need to do a second edition yes and my well, name is getting well man I gotta say guys the book's doing really well and uh I'm getting ready I have to talk to Pete and ask him how do I do this but I'm getting ready to um take a cohort through the book oh, like a nice. personal coaching through it yeah nice. and uh I was just the other day. I'm like, you know what? You should I do that. I so want to do that. You should do that with the Bible Inner Circle. Like, we should set aside some people in the Bible yeah. Inner Circle and you take them through in a cohort. Think of how cool that I would be. I would totally do that, man. I would totally do that. Hey, if you guys want to go through a cohort going through this book with Peyton Jones, go register at BibleInnerCircle.com. Absolutely. Cha-ching. <laughs> Cha-ching. So, okay. But anyway, back to the actual book itself. So, are you it, it is the purpose of the book to get people to take action or is it just setting up the problem like I, i'm i'm just curious about that cuz i don't it's both no it's both because um it sets up the problem in chapter 1 it is a prescriptive book okay um it's funny cuz church zero was more apologetic ching um but this one is more i only set up the problem in chapter 1 and it's a heavy hitter chapter 2 breaks down the book of Acts, like what was different about the early church? Because I'm, I'm making this argument that, look, we don't have the answers because we're looking in the wrong places. 
Acts was written to give us the answers we need. Those are transferable principles. Southeast Asia is using those principles. In Europe, we were using those principles. We used them in Long Beach. Anywhere you want to really reach the unreached, you put these principles. And you know, like you've been church planning with me, they work, right? Mm. It's, it's, it's not something that's theory. And, you know, it's funny. The story about this book um, is, and I'll, I'll get back to why it's prescriptive. Um, but the story behind this book is that I was at a conference and a, a good friend of mine, a guy named Don Pape, he was my acquisition editor at David C. Cook for Church Zero. Cha-ching! He, um, he's, he's known as the Francis Chan maker. That's what editors call him. I mean, uh, agents. They call him the Francis Chan maker because he discovered Francis and he's been Francis agent on like every book. And he was like, so I put this book in circulation first round. And anyways, he goes, Hey, um, uh, Peyton, I saw your manuscript. He goes, it's good. And it was this, but minus the stories. And he goes, you have stories. I know some of your stories. He's like, but you're not telling them. He goes, you're being too bashful. You need to tell your stories. He goes, if people could see some of the stuff that you've done, and this sounds arrogant. That's why I don't tell my stories. He goes, if they could see that, then they would, it would inspire them. And he goes, I'm sorry, man. Like, like when you get, when you get a version of this that tells your stories, man, I'll, I'll be the first one knocking. And of course, second time around, I changed it, changed it up a bit. Second time around, it went into a bidding war and a few different publishers fought over it. So <clears throat> what happened was I put the, uh, anyway, so I was, this was at a conference I was speaking at in Colorado and I couldn't speak that I couldn't sleep that night because I went away thinking about that. And I was like, man, but just the premise alone should be enough to share that. Like I get what he's saying, but just the premise alone is, is radical enough where I, I just don't know why people won't pick it up. And so, but I, I went away and that night I could not sleep. And as I, as I, as I laid there in my bed, I, I tossed and turned over the fact that they were paying me money to go and entertain a room full of Christians. And that was like the last thing I wanted to do. You know, I was so passionate about this message. And the next morning, you know, I was like one of the main speakers. I, I got up on stage. I just told him, hey, guys, you know, look, I couldn't sleep last night. Like I was just fully transparent. Couldn't sleep last night. Had a real problem with um, the fact that you're paying me money to come and uh, speak. And, and I know a lot of you guys are going to hear this. You're going to like it. And you're going to go away and do nothing. And so I, I started preaching the premise of the book right then and there. And it was powerful. I mean, it was, you know, talking about the power of the Holy Spirit and um, the lack of power that we see today and this and that. And I've almost never preached on something and had that the response that I had then. And I knew like this is this is like dynamite. This is going to ignite a fire if I start working on it. And so I did. And I, and I told a few of the stories because one of the things I didn't want was to tell these stories and have people kind of make it into like the legend of Peyton Jones, you know, like, Oh, Peyton Jones did this. And then Peyton Jones, the, the premise of the book is look, I'm a knucklehead and I don't, I don't want to do any of this stuff that I've done. I didn't want to plant in Long Beach. I didn't want to uh, go do ministry in public spaces. I didn't want to go in the, the gay coffee house and 
I don't want to walk up to gangsters. I don't want to do that stuff. You know, I want to get my head beat in. But I do this stuff reluctantly, like Paul. But I say, pray for me for boldness. Because I know if, as long as I'm stepping out in boldness, then I'm experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit. Because I'm out of my depth and I need him in those scenarios. And most of us, you know, we're risk averse. We stay away from things that are risky or dangerous or things that might fail. And that's why we miss the good stuff. And so the the book is really saying you don't have to be something special. Just be you. And you don't have to like it, but you have to do it. And you have to push yourself like Paul, who doesn't want to. Jesus didn't want to go to the cross, but he says, not what I will, what you want. And and, and that's the key to ministry. It's a key to making a difference. I mean, I hate to, to bring anything we do or Paul did on the same level as what Christ did. It's not. But the principle is there anyways. Mm. Interesting, man. I dig it. I dig it. So um, what do you think is the the biggest takeaway that you want people to have about this book other than go to Amazon and go buy my book? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, as I talk about it, I, I really go deep into the connection between what I just said, you know, risk and faith and the power of the Holy Spirit how those things are all connected. And then um, I really talk about the idea when he says, when power comes upon you, because when I was speaking last weekend on this, um, I preached three services, three different sermons, because I, you know, I could preach this stuff without notes and it just comes out of me. And, and I felt kind of a prophetic um, unction each service. And, and one of the things that I brought up was, look, um, I can't tell you what it's going to look like for you. Like I've, I've had, experienced or is baptized with the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit. But it's going to look different every time, and it does in Acts. And I kind of told them, look, as you look throughout the book of Acts, the Spirit falls upon them repeatedly and fills them time and time again. And each time it's different. And I don't know what it's going to look like for you, but it's the one thing needful. And um, I, I would say that's very much the the big takeaway and probably the chapter that I think theologically is the most helpful. And that is, I have a chapter, I, I talk about Sarah Connor's The Terminator, right? Like big surprise, quote in pop culture. But I really talk about the fact how she's ready. Sarah Connor's is ready. Everyone else thinks she's nuts. But the thing that separated her from everyone else was she knew what was coming, right? She knew, she knew that the, the nuclear blast was coming from Skynet. And so because she has re these recurring dreams from the future, she preps for it. She gets ready for what's coming next. And I, I feel that way having lived in Europe and moving back here. Like I know what it is. And, and when I came back, that was a big deal. So I'm like, look, we had to rely on the Holy Spirit. America's backs aren't up against the ropes yet enough, but they're getting there. And soon your, your churches are going to shrink and you have to be Sarah Connors now. Like when she's in the insane asylum and she's ripped and she's working out and she's mastered every weapon she knows on a spiritual level, we have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we have to um, walk in the power of the Holy Spirit because this generation is sick of talk. They've been listening to the baby boomers talk, talk, talking. And, you know, when you can lay hands on somebody and see them supernaturally set free from addiction or supernaturally healed, um, those are the things that 
the church doesn't know how to do anymore, right? We have lost the ability to do the things and it's, it's God doing them, obviously, but we are not the dynamic, radical, powerful, small band that we once were. Now we're big and we're diluted. We're watered down. And as individuals, we're either feel fearful or clueless or, you know, we don't know what to do in situations. And I just see Paul, you know, there's a, there's a power and I'm jealous for believers to know that power. Mm. And so there's a whole chapter about, you know, it's literally break it down for me. How do I become filled with the Holy Spirit? And on a theological level, like I said, it's not weird. It's not Pentecostal theology. Um, my background is, is I was reformed for years. I, I think I've retained, um, decent theology out of my background and where I've been. Um, but it is, sane, it is sensible, and most of all, it's biblical. And I, I kind of walk you through that because when I was young and I'd hear this stuff, I'd always be very frustrated that people would talk about it in theory, but no one practically spelled it out. How do I get filled with the Spirit? You know, and and so that's that's powerful. And then the last thing I do as I talk about Jerusalem, what does it mean to be my witnesses in Jerusalem? What does it mean to be my witnesses in Judea? What does it mean to be my witnesses in Samaria and to the ends of the earth, because Jesus makes that a perpetual, that's a perpetually spreading outward movement. And I apply that personally to each individual and say, you have a Jerusalem and you have a Judea and it's not geographical. I'm not saying your Judea is your County and you know, your Samaria is your state um, or the next state over. I, what I'm saying is I say Jerusalem to them was this, and you have a scenario like that. Judea um, is when you're forced out of your comfortable context. That's church in public space. Samaria is going to the marginalized. And the ends of the earth, I actually take that and I say about that, I go, that's anywhere and everywhere. And that means just getting out there, like taking action. So the last chapter is all about action Mm. and not substituting talk or reading books for action. I dig it, man. So just to remind everyone, the name of the book is Reaching the Unreached. You can find it wherever major books are sold, Becoming Raiders of the Lost Art. Um, can I can I read one of the uh, reviews uh, on yeah. Amazon for the book? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is from Pamela, written on May 24th. Headline, very fast, received it next day. <laughs> <laughs> Four stars, mind. Four stars. And uh, do you know the one I'm talking about? (laughs) It's a total spam review. (laughs) Received as described. I'm very happy and excited about this product. It looks good, feels real, and cuts very well. I definitely think the product is of good quality for the low price. In other words, you get a good product for the price you're paying for. Definitely recommended. Fast shipping. Very patient and helpful. Hey, Pamela. Glad that the book cuts well for you. Um, Really pleased. Yeah, and that's that's just a that's so you know it's it's a good quality book when you got a review like that right there on the uh, that's so funny that you knew what it was. But, yeah, uh, I look up the reviews <clears throat> because um, like Church Zero went nuts on reviews. This one it's funny. It's number one in two categories right now. Um, it's it still number new. one. In, it's that's the that? reason. It's still new. Yeah, people yeah. still chewing their way through it. Still though, the, yeah, 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 yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. And um, but uh, man, I'm telling you, hey, if you guys um, want to get it, it's still on sale as of recording right now. It's still normally it retails seventeen ninety nine. So uh, right now it's still on sale for ten. They said they'd keep that for a few weeks after launch. So if you haven't picked it up yet, pick it up at discount before. And if you order it through reachingtheunreachbook.com, you still get all the freebies that go with that, including the exponential ebook that exponential will be releasing eventually, but you get it now. And uh, pretty cool. And we will do a uh, a cohort. Uh, with Peyton in the Bible Inner Circle for anyone that wants to go through that. In fact, I already know how we're going to do it, Peyton. So we'll talk about that off- offline. But we'll start that uh, probably in the next few weeks, and uh, and definitely you'll want to go through that because that'll be really cool. Yeah, boy. All hey, right. Let me ask you one last final thing. So in the book, do you talk about uh, how to be a math pastor? You know, um, it it was. There was a lot of things, Pete, that ended up on the cutting room floor in this book. Um, it was in my scraps and notes. It will probably be turned into an entirely new book on that topic. But uh, no, I did not. So uh, what about you know pastors that have to deal with uh, you know workman's comp, uh, insurance, payroll issues? Uh, you know that will be the next book sequel. If they can't wait for the book, what do they do? Well, in the meantime, I would get in touch with uh, a friend of mine and a friend of yours and a sponsor of this podcast, SimplifyChurch.com. What? SimplifyChurch.com, you say? Oh, yes. They keep your needs uh, simple and growing. No, I made that up. That didn't work. They will meet your needs for uh, any of your finance needs, IRS compliance, um, you know, uh, tax evasion. No, I'm teasing. Um, <laughs> into your tax reporting for uh, charitable contributions, they are worth their weight in gold. And uh, I just signed up another church planner to that who was having. He actually was out of compliance. Oh, and uh, yeah, he he and I said, man, you need to get on with uh, SimplifiedChurch.com. So um, they will do it. They'll they'll keep you safe and let you sleep at night. Awesome. Well, Peyton, thanks so much for doing this interview. And this one was much better than the it worst was book review it was good. ever. Yeah. It was actually good. It, you know, Pete, you can almost say this might have been the best book interview. I would ever. actually say, in fact, I'm going to title the episode the best book interview ever. Awesome. Well, and then put, put by Pete Mitchell when you do that so that in people quotes, know. Like, put it in quotes, you know, dash Pete Mitchell. Yeah, since, you know, I I didn't put you in the acknowledgements. Well, Just check one page, page 197. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I'm not <laughs> going to be on page 197. I'm waiting for it to come out on audible and then, yeah. you know, tell me to listen in, like listen in six hours, six hours yeah. and 32 minutes. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Hey, uh, you want to do the sign out? Yep. Hey guys, this has been the church planner podcast reminding you. If you want to reach ones, nobody's reaching. You need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. And hey, did you check that out, Pete? Did you notice that reaching the unreach? The ones no one's reaching? Did you, did you get that? Get hey, that connection? I'm glad that you gave mad props to the podcast. I wish I'd been named, but you know, whatever. <laughs> Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. 
visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Thank you.